Hey everybody, before this episode starts, I just want to give you a little bit of a warning that we had some uh, Skype connectivity issues for the first uh, little bit of the podcast, so you can still understand what everybody's saying, but uh, after a little while it clears up, so we appreciate your patience and just bear with us for that first part and enjoy the show. As we open this ancient book, you realize a new way of thinking. Your consciousness develops, and now you read without thinking. Uh, hey everybody, uh, we've been gone for like two weeks, uh, <laughs> post chappy podcast, and now we're back, which is exciting. We're uh, talking about the latest chapter of Multiversity, and actually kind of a roundup of the entire series up to this point. Um, we talked about it, what, uh, seven months ago, <laughs> I think, when the first issue came out, and we might have barely touched on... Uh, Society of Superheroes, which was the second chapter of Grant Morrison's uh, Orrery of World Opus. Uh, that's a pretty good word there. Um, and then I think we also talked a little bit about Pax Americana during our Rexy's episode. Um, so now we're going to try and talk about everything we've missed so far and uh, just sort of get like an overview of how we've felt about the series so far. Maybe one of DC's most ambitious books in uh, quite some time. Um, so yeah, I'm joined by Shane. Hey. Harper. Hello. And Cal. Hi. It's it's a boys club tonight. Um, and, uh, you know, well, uh, I don't know what else to say about that. It's a boys club. So, <laughs> yeah, Multiversity. We're on Chapter 8, the penultimate chapter, which came out on Wednesday. Ultra Comics, uh, perhaps the most meta issue of the entire event. Uh, and pretty much everything within Multiversity led up to this point. Uh, it was a book that showed up in every, almost every other chapter of the series thus far. Um, before we start digging into like individual issue discussions and uh, all the uh, feelings we have about certain issues, I'm kind of curious, how do we feel about the event so far? Uh, I mean, are, are you guys enjoying this book? I mean, it, critically, it's really being quite hailed. I think at the end of 2014, this thing showed up on as many top 10 lists as Miss Marvel did, which is a pretty, pretty big accomplishment for DC these days to even be in a critically acclaimed side of things ever. Um, but I don't know what, what you guys think. So, uh, Harper, how about you? I've been really loving it. I mean, th this is the kind of event, I mean, even in putting aside Morrison's involvement and and putting aside all the fantastic artists that have been on just about every chapter, um, the this is the kind of event that I can really get on board with because of the way that it's being put out in these kind of one-shot formats. Um, I mean, to me, you know, obviously if you don't like one, you can wait a month and the next one might be something completely different. And although it's telling the same story overall, they're in such different styles and different characters and, and everything that, you know, it's, it's just, it gives you a lot more variety. Whereas, you know, you read something like, uh, oh, I don't know, um, uh, forever evil. <laughs> and it, you know, it's the same thing every month and it's the same boring story. Um, this is just so much more interesting and I feel like I could read this. This series could continue forever just exploring different worlds and I would continue to love it. How about you, Shane? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I've been loving it as well. Um, to the point where I was thinking today where, uh, when it comes time to nominate Rexies at the end of the year, like my temptation is going to be to put fables because it's the last time I'll ever to put fables, be ever, be ever be able to put fables. But, uh, 
my my temptation is also to put this because it it, it really is. I, I think it's going to be definitely in my top ten comics of 2015, and it was in my top ten comics of uh, 2014. And as I told my brother yesterday, every time I think I've read the best issue of the series, then the next issue comes out. And so uh, while I enjoyed the Masterman one and I enjoyed the guidebook a lot, I think I would have said the uh, Pax Americana issue was probably the best. Uh, that was until yesterday when I read Ultra Comics. How about you, Cal? Um, I, I, I'm having like a weird reaction with it where I'll read each issue on um, like the Wednesday it comes out and I'll be kind of really uh just like eh, that was okay and then I'll wait a couple days um or in the case of this one I'll wait a day and I'll reread it and um I'll pick up on a lot more things and then the next issue will come out and I'll reread the one before and it's a series that I liked but was fairly lukewarm on but that i like more every time i think about it or read anything about it or revisit it which um as 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 you guys know probably from how often i ask inane questions about uh things and nitpick at uh little <laughs> little holes and things normally revisiting things and questioning them does not increase my enjoyment but this one i just keep finding more and more things to to really dig into every time I look at it. And it's, it's, it's become one of my favorite books. You know, for me, it's, it's, it's a matter of, I don't read much superhero comics anymore. Anyway. Uh, I think the only DC books I pull are this and Gotham Academy on a regular basis. I don't get anything else. I dropped everything. And, um, as far as Marvel goes, I'm down to one book. So there's, it's like multiversity kind of wins by default because I've got this great Grant Morrison love anyway, so I'm a bit biased. Um, but I enjoy it. I I, I do I, on the whole. I'm not sure I'm a hundred percent on board with the overarching story yet. There, the first issue I you know I'm on record as saying I liked, but and the guidebook kind of helped me a little bit with that, but. I just don't know if I particularly love where that story is going, despite the fact that it works as a sequel to one of my favorite event comics of all time, which is Final Crisis. <laughs> I think I'm one of like uh, 10 people to say something like that. <laughs> I, I don't think I would have, like, uh, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but I read Final Crisis for the first time a few months ago. And yeah, I, I don't think I would have understood it. It's weird, like, even though this is technically a sequel to it, I don't think I would have understood it without reading the multiversity first. That's fair. That's totally fair. Uh, Cal, you, Cal, Cal likes Final Crisis like me, though, so, and I think Harper does, too, mm -hmm. so. Final Crisis and uh, 52 are the only two event comics I really love. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I can co-sign those, those thoughts completely. And Harper and I, we've waxed eloquently uh, or sort of eloquently about Final Crisis before on the podcast. So it's, you know, we'd be repeating ourselves to really like beat into it too much. But that's a good point you raised, Shane. And I think that might speak a little bit to maybe some of my worries about multiversity on the whole. Because, for example, I would love to get Hannah to be able to read this. But the one problem I have with it is that while everything in the middle is very accessible, you know, Thunderworld is very accessible. Pax Americana is. I mean, they're they're odd comics. Don't don't get me wrong. I mean, are very you know atypical from like your uh, you know Scott Snyder style books. But at the same time, they're they're straightforward uh, and and they're plotting, and you don't need to know a whole lot. I don't think. 
um, to understand where A is going to be. On the other hand, man, that first issue, if you don't know who Nick's Wotan is, I'm not sure you'd understand it, but maybe I'm wrong, Shane. Uh, I didn't know who it was before I read it. You um, still dug I, it? Uh, yeah, I could still follow the plot just because I didn't know who he was. I uh, didn't, like, it didn't, wasn't too much of a barrier. I mean, I remember us discussing it, and I remember the only thing that weirded me out was the little uh, chibi Wonder Woman thing. Um, that, was, oh. that was the only thing I thought was odd, but uh, no, um uh, I think the plot is in that first issue and presumably what we'll pick back up finally uh, in this last issue coming out soon. I-, I think it's pretty easy to follow. I think what Morrison does really well is he makes a story that's easy to follow, but there's char- there's so many characters and references to things that fans appreciate it, but people like me who don't maybe don't know, maybe didn't know who Nick- Nick's Woodman was, maybe didn't know who Captain Carrot was and stuff like that going into it, it makes us just more curious about it than necessarily viewing it as a roadblock to the story. Right, right. Oh, I, 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 that's good to hear. Um, but we'll say uh, reading, like, uh, again, to drive that point home again, reading Hit uh, Issue 1 and through whatever of Multiversity and then picking up Final Crisis made all those moments with Nick's Wotan and Final Crisis a lot easier to understand, which is so strange. I don't know, Cal. Would you would you hand the multiversity to like any of your you know friends or students who don't read comics on the regular basis or would want to get into comics? <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't hand it to someone who was just getting into comics because to me, multiversity is almost um, Brent Morrison's writing a uh, critical essay of the state yep. of DC Comics. So if you don't know anything about the state of DC Comics, a lot of that is going to be lost on you. A lot of stuff in uh, the Just uh, Society of Superheroes, Pax Americana, uh, all these things, they, they're, they're coherent as plots. They're easy to follow. I think that people would read them and say, oh, okay, this was, this was pretty good. But I think that in order to think that they're great, you have to have that grounding in the yeah and the history of comics publishing and the culture and all that. I, I agree. I think, I think this is going to be one of those books once it's all collected. And this is one of the few comics that I read monthly that I'm actually going to buy as soon as it comes out on the trade. But uh, I, I think it's one of those collections like Watchmen or like Final Crisis or like a lot of different kind of those higher tier more involved, more literary comics where if you're a fan of comics, your bookshelf is significantly lacking without them. But if you're new to comics, I wouldn't say it's the first thing you should read. Mm, no, that's fair. Um, I, I have to speak to that collection point because they just announced that the hardcover's coming out on October 27th, I think. Oh, that's too long of a wait for me. Yeah, it's a long <laughs> wait. It, but it, I'm sure it'll be a handsome hardcover. I'm just not sure I'm going to buy it. Um, and the only reason I say that is, A, I'm, I'm not so into rebuying books anymore. Like, I, right. I, God, the wallet can only take so much, right? Right. But uh, the other thing is... I think this book reads better as individual issues. Like, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely really cool. Like, you feel more part of the story picking up this issue, like what we got this week, seeing Ultra Comics. We've been seeing this cover since the first issue of Multiversity. So it is kind of cool in that way to kind of be reading these things. It feels like we're getting, like, 
time capsules from other worlds or something. Right. That's that's exactly it. And I feel like in the collection, some of that will be lost, though it's more oh, yeah. re-readable that way because it's more durable physically, right? And that's the whole reason why we buy these collections because they're attractive and we can lend them out to people or whatever the hell it is we do. I just I just don't know, man. It's like it's like trying to reread Seven Soldiers in a collection. I feel like it's all lost at that point. I actually I hadn't reread the whole series back to back until basically yesterday and today after I read Ultra Comics for the first time and I knew we were going to do this podcast. I sat down and reread them all kind of in two sittings and it's a very different experience, but I, I actually think that it's just as good that way just in a very different way, uh, instead of focusing on just the individual adventures, which are great, you start to see a lot more connection, uh, like connectivity between the issues that you never noticed before. Well, talk to me about that, if you don't mind, because you, you mentioned on Twitter, uh, and I don't mean to out you, uh, you know, <laughs> you tweet about, but I, I thought this was very interesting. You said you had theories about this book, and I'm curious if that that you, if those connections are related to those theories or if those are two different thoughts. Well, uh, they're kind of two different thoughts. They're kind of my, my theories, not so much about the plot, just about what Morrison is saying with it, uh, kind of are informed by those connections that I started noticing. But I mean, some of them are things like uh, the presence of the gentry in each issue and kind of uh, the way that every issue ends on a cliffhanger. Every issue ends on essentially something awful just beginning to happen. And it kind of always happens very shortly after the heroes compromise themselves in some way and let the gentry into their universe, with one exception. Thunderworld doesn't end on a cliffhanger. It ends with the Marvel family conclusively and completely winning, and the gentry never make an appearance. You never, you never hear from them. And so something like that, I never I never noticed or thought about until I read them all back to back. And I was like, man, there are a lot of cliffhangers here. And they all seem mm -hmm. to end right after things start going bad, which is not where you think that an adventure story would end, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I that's a great observation. And I I think I've I, I feel like that 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 odd ending of Thunderworld, which is actually kind of a standard superhero ending that stuck with me, too, over the Christmas break when I read it. I was actually in Europe when I read it because I couldn't wait to read the damn thing. I had to get it off Comixology uh, while in Belgium, strangely. Um, but Shane, what were you going to say, man? I'm sorry I cut you off. Oh, no, it's OK. I think uh, part of the Thunderworld thing is like obviously it's like it was it's the most different. Uh, the all of those issues, all of these issues have at least like some common kind of themes and tropes and everything. And that one's so bright and happy. I think it it would have been kind of weird for that one to end on a cliffhanger. But it set up kind of the subplot that's built up. It didn't show up in Ultra Comics, but I know it showed up in Masterman, and it, I think it showed up in the Guidebook as well. There's this whole subplot going on with all these multiversal Dr. Savannah's doing something. So I, I think it at least helps with that. It, it helps set up a new, a new subplot going on. Yeah, yeah. We've got a couple different ones. I mean, you've got Savannah showing up, you know, as, I don't know if he's like an agent of the gentry or if he's his own. Uh, I, I feel like I, I get the impression he's a rogue agent. Like he's figured things out and he's taken advantage of it. 
it's also pretty clear um, that there's that there's a panel in Pax Americana where Savannah shows up, where you only see it in first person perspective, but everyone's looking down, and there's a guy with a little arm handing something over to uh, these uh, these these guy these presidential advisors and stuff. So go back and take a look at that, and tell me if I'm wrong. But I think I think there's one panel somewhere in there where Savannah shows up and pox him. I only know it's him if I see those buck teeth. So. Oh right, and the, and the <laughs> that's my favorite Savannah thing is how he's got these heads all around. Him. <laughs> uh, Savannah thing is the introduction in Thunderworld of I think the Savannah from our world who's just a totally normal scientist who's kind yeah. of horrified to realize what every other dimension him is like. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, I'm partial to the snake one. That well, Oh, the Captain Carrot uh, version of Yeah, of I, I'm partial to the snake, yeah. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. I, I like Luchador Savannah, uh, <laughs> who is clearly, uh, I, I believe the presumption there is that that is a mix of Savannah and Bane uh, <laughs> from the uh, world where Batman and Green Lantern are mixed and... Uh, and flash and and everything else. Um, so yeah, that's that's uh, that that is uh, that 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 is at least my guess on that. So let me ask you guys this: since we're talking about certain things from individual issues, do y'all have a favorite issue so far uh, in relation to multiversity? I mean, is there an issue that sticks out as like the top of the crop still? Shane mentioned Pox Americana and maybe Ultra Comics at this point, but what about uh, what about you, Harper? I mean, for me, as as funny as it sounds, the guidebook might be my favorite. Uh, that's the one I probably had the most fun with. Um, the story was was pretty good, and it was it was fun. But just the digging through the actual worlds was a blast. I mean, that was that's kind of the stuff that originally got me into superhero comics. So I really dug that. Um, as <laughs> although that's the least comic booky comic book. Uh, like issue, I guess. Um, but I, I honestly got to say ultra is pretty high up there for me as well. I really enjoyed it. Um, although Pac, Pax Americana is still pretty high up on that list as well. And Cal, how about yourself? It's really tough for me. I mean, I think Pax Americana most formally impressive and I can see why people would put it as their favorite. Personally, I, I have a really hard time deciding between uh, Thunderworld, which is just so damn fun, and um, the Society of Superheroes, which was, I, I love the, that old pulp style storytelling, so that one really hit me. Honestly, the only one I haven't particularly cared for was Masterman. That one didn't, didn't land with me quite as much as the rest. Yeah, yeah. One of, one of my favorite comments about the Society of Superheroes comes from my friend Steve Morris on Comics Alliance, and he said, uh, "You know, you can uh, why why praise the metafictional aspects of Pax Americana when you can have uh, the real fictional uh, Doc Fate kicking Felix Faust in the balls." So <laughs> that's the uh, that's some of the benefits of Society of Superheroes. I I think Thunderworld's my favorite in general. I mean, as as a longtime Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel slash Shazam fan, whatever you want to call him. I, there's a paucity of stories, uh, starring him, uh, in, in, you know, ever since DC picked him up and there's been very little good Captain Marvel Shazam stories that I can think of. I mean, maybe Jeff Smith's monster society of evil and the four issues that Mike Kunkel did, uh, during for the Johnny DC line. But I, so to have that along with like that great Cameron Stewart art, 
that pretty much nails everything that I was hoping for in a great standalone Captain Marvel story. And it, it and that book stands alone very well, you know. Uh, obviously, It Impacts Americana are generally considered the top two. But I don't mind Master Men as much as a lot of people do, actually. And I know that's the one that sort of divides people a lot. Like, I think it's the only one that I've seen, like, outright negative reaction to. Um, in general, of like the standalone stories, and I'm assuming that's because—is uh, it because of the Jim Lee art, Cal? Uh, what is it about Masterman that didn't work for you as much? I'm not gonna lie, Jim Lee's a big part of it. I think I have always disliked his art, but I disliked it even here. Sure. I think it's—I think part of it is that unlike every other book in the series, which is playing off of the tropes of genres and mediums that I'm familiar with. Masterman is very much not. Uh, you, you linked to an excellent article uh, talking about all the parallels between Masterman and uh, uh, um the ring cycle, which I know nothing about. And so a lot of the subtext on Masterman is lost to me in a way that it just isn't with the rest. I think it comes together in the end. I do love the ending of Masterman, but it, it just never felt, I never felt it quite as powerfully. And it never, that's the one I've been least eager to revisit in general. I, I, I don't know. It was the book that we never had a chance to really talk about. And I know it was the book that a lot of people had the biggest amount of trouble with. So uh, Shane, did, was that a book that you liked a lot or did not like, or is it the one you liked the least? I'm kind of curious about your opinion. Cause you've been very positive about the series as a whole. Um, I'd probably say it's the weakest, but I, I honestly haven't reread it at all. Um, the only issues I've reread are, uh, number one and, uh, Pax Americana. I don't think I've reread any of the others. Um, not to say that they're bad or anything. I just haven't reread them. But I, so I really don't remember much about Masterman, except that it was hard for me to hate a comic, like just completely hate a comic that begins with Hitler taking a giant shit. <laughs> so um, it, it was a bit hard for me to hate that. And I did appreciate the uh, Supergirl reference from Final Crisis and everything like that. Like I want to say. I remember it coming off as almost as if Final Crisis happens in like a split second during Masterman. I, I really don't remember much about it, but uh, I, I don't remember hating it. But I, it's it's one of those I'm going to have to go back. I, I plan on rereading the whole thing once it's all out. So, Well, weirdly, I almost got the implication that Final Crisis occurred in, in that scene. And this is just me, you know, spitballing here. But there's that scene where he comes back and the Holocaust happened yeah. while he was mm -hmm. gone. I almost felt like that's when Final Crisis happened during due, and due to time dilations, it took him forever to come back. Um, it's possible. Maybe not. Maybe that's not. What I, I'm going to have to reread it, but I wanted. To, I remember getting the impression that Final Crisis happens during Masterman. Yeah, well, yeah. You do flash to a like him having a nightmare flashback of the event that brought him into Final Crisis, which was Overgirl's death. But that was a nightmare. That was just a nightmare of that with um Okay, maybe that's what it was. Uh, Lord Broken of the Gentry was kind of controlling it was influencing him there. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. I, I I'm just there's like this parallel that I can kind of draw between you know, in Final Crisis, Superman goes off to the, the whole Superman Beyond adventure, and when he comes back, Metropolis and most of the world is just completely wrecked. You know, and that's when he comes back to find out that Batman's dead and Darkseid has taken control with the anti-life equation. And I guess for me, it's sort of like maybe 
Overman had a similar experience, you know. He was gone, he came back, and all of a sudden, his world has gone to shit, too, you know. And his people have have, have done the bad thing. But I don't know, that's a leap, right? I just, uh, maybe that's how my like it manifests in a different way in every reality. That's not, not yeah. a bad theory. Hey, you know, it's, it's not one I heard before. I just made it up right now, actually. <laughs> so, uh, there you go. So, can we talk about the gentry for a moment? I'm really curious y'all's thoughts about them, since they are sort of the central bad guys of this thing. Obviously, Savannah uh, is a subplot bad guy who is appearing intermittently throughout the series. But the gentry have shown up in pretty much every issue having some appearance, either as a painting or in someone's nightmares or directly speaking to the reader in Ultra Comics. Um, what are they? The gentry are probably my least favorite part about multiversity, which is kind of funny to say because comic book events are all about the the villains or the plot of the villains mostly. But they're they're the thing I still understand the least. Um, I mean, I, I think when we had a conversation about uh, the first issue of multiversity on the podcast, that helped me understand a lot of just kind of what where they were coming from, the possibility that maybe they were representing uh, publishers or you know there was the idea that that one was the house of ideas. Uh, that's what I was, yeah, when you were asking that question, I was thinking the same thing. I remembered our discussion of issue one where you, you, I think it was you, Kyle, you gave the theory that one of them was DC and one of them was Marvel. Well, I didn't make up that theory. Someone on the internet did. I just, <laughs> uh, you know, I just read off what someone else said, but uh, yeah, <laughs> sure. I'm not taking that. <laughs> that was the most I ever understood about the gentry. And since then, I've just had them show up and remember, oh, okay, these are the bad guys and, and they're doing something to to kind of you know, cause a multiversal collapse and, and problems across the multiverse. But I don't really have a whole lot of feeling for them, uh, you know, our, our understanding of them at this planet, which is, you know, we only got one more issue to really clear that up for me, I guess. <laughs> but but it hasn't bothered me so far. I should, you know, throw that in that it's not, it hasn't taken away anything from this. Ultra Comics was the issue that really cleared up the gentry for me. The gentry... In Ultra Comics, I think they've... Well, I mean, it's even stated. The gentry are a bad idea. They're just a, a dumb idea. Not not in like a... I think that they're a bad idea to have included. I think that Morrison wants them to represent a bad idea. So um, they always, always manifest in these worlds as a very uh, kind of stock plot twist. So like even in the Society of Superheroes... Doc Fate even criticizes Demogorgon shows up with an army of zombies and Doc Fate's like, oh, Jesus, really? <laughs> um, so this is going to go beyond the scope, but I believe from Final Crisis, the monitors are basically Morrison's stand-in for the editors of DC Comics, right? Yeah, I'm remembering yeah. that correctly? Yeah, yeah. So all of the editors are dead. And... That has all of the editors that Morrison liked working with are dead. And that has left room for a lot of bad ideas to come into the DC universe. All these really stock horror tropes. Uh, you know, the evil, evil AI robots corrupted by Lexi Luthor because she wasn't invited to a party. A rehash of Watchmen. Uh, you know, all these things. Um, the zombie invasion. And Ultra Comics... In Ultra Comics, the gentry even say, and this is a direct quote, we gentry were drawn to the carrion reek of your dreams, where once were palaces and spaceships, only charnel houses and brothels remained. Nice. <laughs> and uh, 
so they're they're here. They want to make us like them. The first time I read that, I thought that they thought I, I thought that that was we want to make you one of us, which it yeah. was in a way. They transformed Nick Swotan. But I think it's also they want to make us like them. They want us to keep buying their book. They want us to keep turning the page. They want us to keep going no matter how dumb the plot gets. No matter, Oh, it's a big fucking egg from the fifth dimension with wings. How lame is that? I, I did appreciate what pretty much seemed like uh, the other consciousness uh, minds that were reading the books that were all like, oh, it's an egg. I'm gone. Oh, the forum <laughs> posts were awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but... The thing about the forum posts to me is that we see that criticism. I mean, I don't know if any of you go on forums ever anymore, but you see that kind of thing all the time where people will criticize like 40 straight issues of a run. And you're just like, well, why the fuck are you still reading it? Right. Buy the only way they'll stop giving work to Scott Lobdell is if you stop buying Scott Lobdell books. <laughs> It's like, trans- it's like Transformers movies, people. <laughs> yeah, the only way that we'll stop getting shitty Transformers movies is if we'll stop go- paying to go see shitty Transformers movies. Um, and so- slave. <laughs> <laughs> to, to talk about the gentry for a second, um, I uh, got curious mostly about just what date it was coming out, but then I stumbled upon the solicit for the final issue, Multiversity number two. And apparently the gentry are henchmen of the Justice League and Super Demon of Earth-13, which led me to what is Earth-13, because I don't remember, and Wikipedia says that uh, Earth-13 is essentially... Super Demon. Yeah, and it's... Uh, I don't know, this says it merged with Earth-Zero in the wake of Flashpoint and resembles the settings of some Vertigo titles. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 the it's the League of Darkness, uh, which is like Super Demon and the Silver Age Hellblazer and okay. a number of other. Well, lines. this explains why there has been this one cover, and we get it again in this issue because they're showing Ultra. Why are you on this cover of this comic? And we see all the other comics that have been in it, and the one that keeps showing up in all these every time. Anytime we see a pile of all these issues, and it always makes me mad because that's the one I'm most intrigued by is basically the DC. Uh, characters as monsters and yeah it seems like they're gonna be if they're not the villains they have somehow inadvertently caused all this well that's very interesting and that's That's actually what the solicit seems to hint at well that's one of the worlds i was most fascinated by uh when harper and i were compiling uh our little predictions guide you know months and months ago before the guidebook even came out um it was always gonna be you know i wonder what that dark black world is And uh, that's definitely if it, if it plays a major part in the upcoming finale, I think that this could go fascinating places. Um, I don't know. I mean, the criticism, the meta criticism is quite good here. Um, I mean, I think let me let me, let me just say this. Um, Morrison cannot go to this well again. Like this yeah. is it. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like as far as I'm concerned, this is as meta as a comic can get. If you go to this well again, you are repeating yourself. Right. Well, and he's at a point where he's repeated himself to the point where he's criticizing himself for for repeating himself <laughs> in in this I, comic book. And I don't know. I mean, let me ask you that. I mean, can you excuse does 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 self criticism excuse execution? And that's the one thing that I that I wonder about because I mean, there are like some animes that I've checked out right that make fun of the fact that these girls were scantily you know are scantily dressed. But they're still scantily dressed girls in anime. Uh, I think it depends on the strength of the execution. 
Because, sure. I mean, you have a Cabin in the Woods that could easily get that criticism, but, I mean, it pulls it off so well. Absolutely. I mean, for me, the, I think... I almost feel I don't I don't necessarily think he should go back to this well again. I think you're right. He's kind of exa- maybe exhausted it, but at the same time, I think every time he's done this, he's been looking at the comics world as it is currently and has things yeah. to say. It's not about comics and and all of comics history. It's about, you know, here's what's going on in comics now and here are the problems that I think there are and here's what I think can can be beautiful about comics and here's how I think we can fix them. Uh, I think Final Crisis and um, Flex Mentalo and and uh, Multiversity are all kind of going about that, but they're very specific to the time period. Yeah. That's why, you know, like we're talking about, uh, Cal, I really like your idea. I hadn't thought about that, that, um, you know, that the gentry do want you to keep reading. And it, it is almost like, you know, in that point when they say, uh, when Ultra's like, no, this isn't working. It is like that fact that like, okay, even if the people, you know, even if the gentry are susceptible to criticism, just like all writing, uh, if you keep buying it or keep reading it, nothing happens. Now, you know, that doesn't, the criticism doesn't matter if it keeps selling out. Uh, you know, I think that's a criticism that would only apply now, or not, maybe not only apply now, but it very much is specific to this time period in the history of comics. So, you know, I think that's why it kind of works still. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'll say this: I am, I'm not sure that I necessarily see every issue necessarily as a commentary on comics, uh, you know, today because it, I almost feel like every issue, up to a point, other than like the main overarching storyline, which includes uh, the first issue, the guidebook, and the second issue, because I still think Ultra Comics, even though it's a part of the story, it almost speaks to uh, the same sort of tropes. That the these these in the middle sandwiched issues have become, and let me let me throw you my theory. Um, I think each of these books sort of represent a major DC work at some point, and uh, this may not be sound at all. Um, I think that you know Society of Superheroes using using uh, somebody like Chris Sprouse, it kind of speaks back to like not only the pulp tradition of uh, pre superhero comics, but also to Tom Strong. Um, which was the Chris Sprouse, Alan Moore book. I think The Just, which might actually be my least favorite of the entire lineup, uh, speaks to Kingdom Come, especially with um, Ben Oliver's very Alex Ross lifelike artwork. Mm. Um, Pax Americana, obviously, is Watchmen. Uh, no, duh. Um, Thunderworld is more akin to his own all-star Superman. It's sort of the all-star Superman version of Shazam, which I think he's gone on record as saying. Um, well, I know he has, actually. I've heard him say it. Um, and then the guidebook being the, the nods to the fourth world, which obviously are like the uh, the backbone of Cosmic DC. And then with um, Ma- Masterman, it's basically Red Sun, right? Mm-hmm. But it's inverted to a point politically where you instead are working with the uh, uh, the National Socialist side of things rather than the uh, USSR. And then I feel like Ultra Comics is like the evil version of Flex Mentallo. Um, you know, Flex Mentallo is like a very welcoming book that, uh, you know, tells you, you know, comics, they're fine, but go talk to girls. You know, that's basically what Flex Mentallo tells you. And the superheroes can be real, you know, but there's other things going on in life. And uh, Ultra Comics sort of speaks to you're stuck. It's your fault. And it's it's kind of like the filth that was to the invisibles. You know, it's like this darker mirror image. 
And so I kind of dug that, you know, how it speaks, how each of these books kind of just speak to another DC book. And you could make like a hell of a reading guide, I think, if you buy into my theory here that uh, these things, uh, you know, have connections elsewhere. I hadn't thought about that, but there are a lot of connections on that front and just just to those major works like that. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah that makes a lot of sense. Um, so with that in mind, where do you think that this is going? What is he saying by doing that to you? Mm. I, don't, I wish I had an answer. I haven't thought that through. I'll be honest. I I don't know. <laughs> It, I mean, it probably speaks to something you're saying. I don't know, though. I mean, it 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 it, it potentially underlines how good DC Comics can be. Mm-hmm. Um, DC Comics at its best is awesome, right? So is Marvel. I mean, it's not it's not a it's not a, a one way pissing contest. Um, I I you know it, there are great superhero comics out there that can that can remind you why why superhero comics are awesome. The problem is they're few and far between. And there's a hell of a lot more Scott Lobdell's than there are um, Alex Ross and Mark Wade collaborations. You know what I mean? It's just they're, they, it, the, 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 the fluff outnumbers the classics. But the classics are classics for a reason. I don't know. I haven't thought this through, man. But, yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I think this is going to be a really embarrassing podcast if it turns out Scott Lobdell is one of our re- listeners. <laughs> <laughs> he is, I don't think he is. So I don't think it's going to be a problem. <laughs> All right. Hey, so let me ask you guys this. This next issue coming out, is there a way that this could be closed out in a satisfying manner, given that the major plot points of this book have only been really touched on in two issues? I hope so, because <laughs> that would be so sad if to have this great run and then it all just come crashing down. I, I think that it is. I mean – uh, my favorite single issue of comics of all time is uh, Astro City number one half, and it's it's actually not even a full full sized issue. I think it's sixteen pages long, and it in those sixteen pages it goes over the entire crisis of the Astro City world. Like they they have a you know traditional DC universe crisis, and it covers the entire crisis. And still has room for a five-page epilogue in those 16 pages that makes me sob like a fucking baby every time. So I don't think it's length, necessarily. I think what, what's, go- what's going to worry me with the conclusion is, has he given us something... Has he given us enough to give a shit about beyond the uh, kind of existential... Will this be both a good comic to read and a good comic to think about? Or will it just be interesting on kind of an intellectual level, you know? Yeah, and, and you know, it's funny. This is uh, the first event maybe ever for me that I, I almost don't care how it ends. Um, just because of the format of it with, the, with all the one-shots, I've really enjoyed, for the most part, I've really enjoyed every issue just as what it is on its own as, you know, either a criticism or as, as kind of a, you know, a metaphorical idea for, you know, something else in comics or just as a story. Like, I mean, Thunderworld on its own, for example, is a story I could totally have picked up and had no, no part in multiversity whatsoever. And I still would have really enjoyed it. And it would have, you know, uh, you know, been a, a, a treasured surprise or whatever. Um, so I, you know, it's, 
I look forward to the last issue because I'm curious to see how he is going to kind of wrap it up. But at the same time, it really doesn't matter that much to me because each individual issue has been a story that I've really enjoyed in itself. Um, so if he's able to tie it together in, in a way that's satisfying, then that's bonus points for me, but it's not, not necessarily required. All right. So bonus question before we wrap here, where so far does the multiversity rank for you guys that have some great familiarity with Morrison, which I know for sure Cal does, uh, and his, some of his works. I think Harper does as well. And Shane, you've sort of started digging into it recently, especially now. So, uh, it, where, where does it rank in his overall uh, body of work for you? Uh, that, that's really hard for me to say. I'll be honest. I mean, uh, when I was reading Final Crisis month to month, I did not think that it would that I would hold it terribly high in my estimation. But I, it's it's one that I still think about and return to. Whereas uh, some of his things that uh, you know, some of his early work, say Arkham Asylum or Zenith, hasn't held my attention terribly well, even though I know that there's a lot of critical love. So it's very hard to say, but. I will say I foresee myself digging into those individual issues uh, regularly, at least. Uh, Thunderworld is just really fun. I mean, they're they're all great at something. So I'd be shocked if this one didn't end up um, fairly respectable on my list. Unless the last issue is Grant Morrison coming out as a white supremacist or something. I I have a hard time imagining that this this is going to... uh, really turned me off in any way. Uh, and I've over. So far. He's going to hand it over to Dave Sim to take <laughs> over the last issue. <laughs> uh, I mean, for me, it's hard to say at, at this point still, like I do want to see how it finishes out to see kind of overall what I think, but it's definitely pretty high up there. Um, for me, it'd be borderline impossible to top uh, All-Star Superman and Final Crisis. I think those, those two are absolute masterpieces um all-star superman in particular is page by page you know for me one of the best comics ever written um so it'd be it's not going to top that i don't think but um it's definitely in my in my top four or five i would say i don't think i've read enough to definitively say um i've read all-star superman i've read final crisis i've read this i've read flex mentallo and that might be it. I, I, for some reason, still haven't read Arkham Asylum. And then That's obviously, okay. yeah. there's, <laughs> well, it's just, it's weird for me because I have so many Batman books, but, um, that's like the one big Batman book I've never read, okay. but, um, I don't know. It's hard for me to say, I think it's the one I find the most exciting, but it could be because it's the first one I picked up monthly or because it's so different compared to everything else I'm reading. I will say it makes for a very weird read paired with, Flex Mentala and Final Crisis. I got to tell you, by the time I was done reading Flex Mentala, then Final Crisis, I was like, I swear if the next book I have in my stack is about damn alternate universes and uh, tra- time travel and all this other stuff, I'm just going to be pissed off. It, it's it's hard for me to say because I definitely want to check out some of his other stuff, like his non-superhero stuff, like Joe the Barbarian and We Three. I, I think I can definitely say this will... Unless that ending is just the worst thing ever written, which is going to be very, very hard for that to be the case. It's very possible it could disappoint me, but I think it's going to be very hard for it to be the worst thing ever written. Unless that somehow is the case, this is definitely going to be in my top 10 for the year. So I think that says a lot about it. 
for me, it's I, I like I like latter Morrison a lot more than early Morrison. Even though I like early Morrison, fine. Like I love Doom Patrol. I really, really. Oh enjoy yeah, I did read that too. Yeah, I love Doom Patrol. I love I enjoy the Invisibles to an extent to, to before I you know lose lose myself in it. And then, uh, but I mean, it's Flex number one, All Star number two. This is pushing number three right now, probably with Doom Patrol. Um, so we'll see how it ends to see how it closes out. But you know. Batman and Final Crisis, I can't strip them apart necessarily because they're all part of one big narrative, uh, particularly when you count the return of Bruce Wayne. But that's like the run, his his latter day run that I, I've I've grown to appreciate the further out I've gotten from it. So yeah, I would say right now, uh, Multiversity is knocking on the door, ha ha ha, of uh, number three for me. Um, get it? Door reference? Knocking? Never mind. All right. Uh, <laughs> clearly, clearly, I'm the only one caught in Ultra's flypaper here. I laugh lightly. Uh, I'll take, I'll take it. All right. So let's, let the, we'll wrap it here because we've got to get going, but, um, this is our look at multiversity. Hopefully issue number two will, uh, you know, give us a satisfying conclusion and, uh, we'll have another Morrison, uh, epic masterpiece thing on our hands. Uh, so next week we're talking punk rock Jesus and that'll be fun. And we'll, uh, have Hannah back on. It'll be the whole crew and, uh, that'll be enjoyable. And then in two weeks, hopefully we'll be talking daredevil, maybe possibly, hopefully That'd be nice. that, that would be good. So we'll try to talk daredevil. We all, I, I think we all have Netflix around here. So, yeah. um, we'll, uh, we'll try and, and dig into that and hopefully that won't just be a total face plant. So yeah, we'll uh, see you next time. Have a good night. And, uh, Don't turn the page. So we're not doing a powers episode? (laughs) (laughs) No.